0: Hey, what is up podcast listeners? I am so glad that you have found yourself at the Joyful Courage podcast. This is a place where we celebrate real and raw conversations about raising Kids with conscious parenting and positive discipline. I'm your host, Casey O'Rourke. I'm a facilitator. I'm a parent coach. Most importantly, I am a mom of two teenagers and I am walking the path of more mindful, intentional parenting right alongside of you. Please know that this podcast is created for you. I create it for you and for our community. And if you love it, Feel free to share it with all of your family and friends over social media. Let's spread the word. Let's get as many people as possible listening to this show. Please write a review on Apple's podcast, formerly known as iTunes. And join the Patreon community where parents just like you are contributing just a small little amount each month to the show and enjoying perks like monthly webinars and community conversations about the content you hear on this podcast. Check the show notes for links and more details on all of that. I'm so, so grateful that you are here and now enjoy the show. Hi, listeners. I am so excited to introduce you all to today's guest. Rachel Butler is an executive and professional coach, an organizational health expert, a wife and mother of two boys. She is one of those unique women who is both powerhouse and presence. If you were to only read her resume on paper, she's a total badass, master in organizational systems, and she's worked with over 325 Organizations, Oh my gosh, that's so many. But then you meet her and she blows you away with her kindness, her integrity, her humor, and her genuine care. Rachel embodies what it means to be an empowered woman and a conscious mom. Rachel and her mama business partner, Jillian Rowinski, are the voices behind Unlearning Supermom, a feminist website that supports equal rights and opportunities for women and empowering all of us. And I pulled from the website that where they wrote, our culture has clearly defined what being a good mom should look like. And it is oppressive. The martyrdom of being busy, being agreeable, putting everyone else first, running yourself ragged. If supermom is who we become when we are in this world with our eyes closed then unlearning her is a deeply courageous feminist act. I love following Rachel on Instagram. I follow her feed and was so thrilled when she agreed to come on and talk more with me about unlearning super mom. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. Will you please share a little bit more with the listeners about how you found yourself doing what you do? Sure. Sure.
1: So I, was, I think that's the first time I've ever heard my bio read out loud in that way. And Jillian wrote that for me because we were both getting stuck writing our own. And I felt so seen and I also always feel a little embarrassed.
0: <laughs> Get over <laughs> so, it. <laughs> so nice.
1: Um, so I came to do this work. I've sort of always been interested in well-being. I started out my work um, in nutrition and um, community nutrition, which is like food banks and meal programs and shelters. And I got really interested in leadership and how we can impact systems and, you know, make community change through our work as leaders. And that's how I ended up doing more work um, in organizational effectiveness. So Mm -hmm. that's what I'm doing now, um, primarily. And Unlearning Supermom is really a passion project for both Jillian and I. So you'll see sometimes, you know, we kind of show up more or we take a little break and we've promised ourselves it's a project that won't be a super mom project for us it's more about what we enjoy so um that's how i've ended up here i do independent consulting work right now i will just tell you a little bit of, i guess about my journey as a parent in that work okay. um so i you know worked in organizations i have was in school when my oldest son was born, which people advised me against. It turned out okay. i <laughs> um, in my master's program, you know, and Rachel, that's yeah.
0: funny. I was actually finishing my, I was doing my master's when I got pregnant with my oldest and what could have been a two-year program ended up taking me five, but I did finish.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> there you is go. I'll figure it out. Yeah. It's yeah. not easy. Yeah. Um, and so you know what i found i felt like for me the baby phase was really wonderful and really natural um it got really hard for me as a parent you know when my older son was about three really like three and a half and my youngest you know just having two is not two times harder for me it's like ten thousand times harder Mm -hmm. um and you know going back to work um i really wasn't ready to go back to work i had a you know decent leave of like 16 weeks I think um, but I just felt like my baby was so little and I had all this just anxiety and sadness about leaving him you know and we had a great nanny and all of that so when I went back to work, I just struggled a lot. I worked in a I had a really great job. Um it was an intense environment. We had a lot of really significant change happening. And what I found was it was just always so hard. I think anybody any mom who's gone back to work can relate where it's like you're just trying to get everything packed up in the morning and get the kids where they need to be and you got the older one who's like you're trying to make sure it doesn't hurt the baby while you're trying to take a shower, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like every day is just madness. And I just I remember having this moment where I was like you know i was feeling like an actual physical sense of like putting my heart in a box to protect myself from all this pain
2: Mm.
1: um like even talking about it now right it brings back all this emotion
0: yeah
1: so i knew i really needed to make a change it wasn't working for me and it wasn't working for my family And, you know, also with some of the stuff going on with the organization, it was a good time for me to move out. And, um, you know, there there was kind of a lot of stuff about in the organization, you know, are you all in was this question, which I experienced as a really masculine kind of Mm -hmm. organizational question, Um, especially for people who have been working really hard in the organization. And, you know, it really made me reflect. It was kind of like a coaching question to me. I was like, you know what? like, what am I really all in on? It's it's me, you know, it's my, my family, my health. um, Mm. And this isn't working for me. So I took some time to figure out how to get, you know, some consulting work going. And um, I don't want to give anyone any illusion that that was easy, because it was, you know, it's hard. Um, It's really challenging. But I think sometimes people also give a lot of pressure to moms like, well, you could just like go do your own thing or get a side hustle and none of it's (laughs) easy. Yeah, keyword
0: is hustle, right? (laughs) The freaking (laughs) never ending hustle. Yes, I'm I'm familiar.
1: (laughs) Uh, Exactly. So, um, you know, it's all just such a process of figuring it out. Um, The other thing that happened for me too is... After I stopped nursing both of my sons, I got really intense like anxiety and depression, which mm. I think medically a lot of providers will say, well, we don't really know if that's true, but for me it was really true. It was definitely like a postpartum depression experience. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, that I felt for me was defining in my parenting because it really made me step back and look at where am I just doing too much, right? And where do I need to cut back and mm-hmm. make sure that I am taking care of myself and my family. So anyway, that was around the time I, I had probably been doing consulting work for a little under a year when Jillian reached out to me about working at Unlearning Supermom, and I was like, "Oh, definitely yes." You know, I really mm-hmm. wanted to be on board. I love the message, and she had shaped a lot of the message prior to that, but wanted a partner, and so we've been doing that together since. Um, I guess that was early 2017. So yeah. that's a long answer to how I got to where I am. Um, but you know, I think the pain sort of of all of that process and figuring out how to be a mama too and figuring out how to do the work that I want to do and bring income into my family and all that kind of stuff, you know, is really a foundational part of my journey, you know, and just being who I am. And I'm a little bit of, a, you know, definitely a perfectionist type. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say I'm like type A, but I'm just always kind of into a lot of things, you know, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. having to look at, you know, be a little more reflective about where am I putting my energy?
0: Well, thank you for that so much because i think that while the details might be slightly different i think you told a story that a lot of moms hold and the piece around putting your heart in a box and the emotion came up it came up for me too and i think it's so important for us to speak this pain and this truth and to make what is maybe hidden often visible and i you know and i and i couldn't help but think as you were talking about the process of, okay, leave is over. I like my job. I have the support, you know, and having a nanny and and even what a privilege that is. You know, I remember when I had my kids, well, I had my daughter and I was living way up in the, well, not way up, but farther into the mountains than I am now. And I was a school teacher and I loved my job. And, and there was no childcare options that worked for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, just thinking about all the moms out there, you know, I mean, it's varying degrees, right? Of like have to, want to, can't not, how much of our income gets cut because of childcare costs. Like it's so complicated and messy and hard. And inside of all of it, we're just trying to be moms and love our kids and be with them and have good times alongside the you know, don't hurt your brother while I'm in the shower times. (laughs) Right, exactly. So I just really appreciate your sharing because, you know, I get a little irritated and we're gonna get into this. I get a little irritated with the, I'm so blissed out to be a mom every moment conversation because it's hard. And sometimes it's really hard and it's kind of like, what have I said yes to? So I think keeping it real is so important and so healthy and so useful. So thank you. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. As you were saying that, you know, about hap, you know, being happy all the time, there's, I, I'm like obsessed with uh, Dr. Clarissa Bencola-Estes who wrote Women Who Run With The Wolves and she has so much great stuff. But, mm. you know, she talks a lot about her aunt who's like this really big character. And she said that, you know, she would always say, if they ever invent a happy pill, don't take it a happy only pill is a sleeping pill. Mm. And I think that's really true. And, you know, of course I'm not talking about like people who, you know, need you know support in terms of mental health situations and stuff. I'm not talking about that kind of pill, which I don't think really, you know, makes you happy. Totally. Anyway, we have Mm -hmm. to work at that. But um, just that idea that we, you know, if we only are going to be happy, we're going to be numbing so much Mm -hmm. out, you know, so much out of our lives that has other, you know, learning to offer and gifts to offer us.
0: Yeah. So your website is Unlearning Supermom, and this is this passion project that you and Jillian are working together. So help tease apart, who is Supermom and where does she come from?
1: Okay, so, um, so the way we really think about Supermom is... She is who we become when we go to sleep or kind of go unconscious in our lives. So it's kind of, you know, when you get in that mode and you're kind of in tunnel vision and you're just doing this thing, you're packing the lunches, you're getting out the door, you're getting home, you're getting dinner going, you're trying to play a little bit, you're going, doing it all over again. And and you know, just trying to get through that to do list. So it's really, um, it's all of the unconscious like habits and behaviors, and social conditionings that we're not aware of when we're in that kind of autopilot mode. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the messages, you know, it's like, you just, you don't have time for yourself, you know, you kind of have to do everything for everybody else. You know, I think there is typically sort of like a martyrdom, you know, like that resentful kind of feeling that can come up sometimes as a mom, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that we shouldn't ask for help, that everything kind of needs to be perfect. It's like the Pinterest mom you know, meme kind of mm-hmm. that, you know, we all have our own tendencies toward, I think, or most of us do. Um, it just kind of, she, she's just like, gives us that feeling that we need to keep doing, doing, doing. And I also think there's like this big paradox to supermom, right? Because it's become something that people say as a compliment, you know, or feel, sometimes it's something that people say when they feel empowered, right? Right. Like, like oh, a badge of honor. Like super mom. Yeah. Yeah. Like I did, you know, this week I had this amazing client meeting and then I had this great play date with my kids and I'm like, feel like super mom. And, and that's okay. You know, of course I, I think I, I don't want people's takeaway to be that the word supermom is bad or that doing the things that bring you life are bad. It, I think it, it's more, um, we, we like to frame things as good or bad, but it's not like that. I think it's more about the perspective that we're bringing to the things that we're doing and the motivation behind them. Like, are we doing it because it's a quote should, or are we doing it because it's something that brings us joy or is, you know, working towards a longer term goal or something like that.
0: Right. And when I hear you run off those, that automatic pilot to-do list, I also, it also brings to mind, like, how are we judging ourselves? Are we judging ourselves against this? Like, well, I got to vacuum the house and do all the dishes and make a dinner from scratch. Oh, I'm going to go to work. Or maybe I work from home. I'm going to get X amount accomplished. I'm definitely going to have some one-on-one time with each of my children, 20 minutes each. Right. And then we lay down and it's like going through that list. Did I do these things? And if I did these impossible Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes, perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories, math, with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. things. And if I didn't, what a fail, you know, hashtag mom fail. Didn't get the one-on-one time in today.
1: Yeah. It's just like, it's putting, and I think, oh man, when I had infants, this is like such a big awareness that I gained about myself, you know, was, how much I put my own good feelings about myself, you know, or my Mm -hmm. like sense of worthiness into what I'm able to accomplish in a day Mm -hmm. by like completing a task. And I think that's something that so many women I know have to really relearn is that we have inherent worth and Mm -hmm. um, value and we're lovable if we do nothing for anybody, Mm -hmm. you know? And yeah, I just think that's such a big piece of it.
0: Yeah. And I read that piece from your website during the introduction about culture defining what being a good mom should look like. So I want to talk a little bit more about where we are receiving these messages because they're not new messages, right? And yet today, you know, we have so many more, you know, metaphorical billboards for taking this message. And so where, and you mentioned like, you know, the Pinterest mom memes. Um, but where else are the messages coming from? Maybe more subtly where we're not even really aware.
1: Right. So, um, I kind of, I'm going to kind of like take it way back and then yeah, I'll do it. bring it back to the current day. So I think, um, for me, the history of, you know, just mom, mom life is really interesting. And of course, throughout history, you know, I think we have it pretty good in terms of like the self, the health and safety of our babies now Mm -hmm. in present day. So I do want to acknowledge that. But, you know, a lot of uh, the messages that women in particular moms get about how culture society would like us to show up as mothers is really based on like the economics of families during that time period. Right. So, Prior to the Industrial Revolution, a lot of women had a lot of economic value in terms of, you know, they were like shearing sheep, spinning wool, dyeing wool, making cloth, you know, I mean, uh, working on the farms, yeah. uh, producing babies, <laughs> right, exactly. And, you know, children had economic value at that mm-hmm. time, too, right? You're producing babies and like pretty soon they can contribute to your to the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought about children really differently then. You know, now children have a lot of sentimental value, as they say, and not a lot of economic value. Mm -hmm. Um, True (laughs) that. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, you know, after the Industrial Revolution and people were really moving to cities more, and and there was a little bit more of a rise of kind of a middle class. Um, it changed family dynamics because you know we were living less close to like grandparents, for mm-hmm. example. But it also um, allowed, uh, kind of, created a situation where there weren't a ton of jobs, so men were working, but women were able to like stay home with their kids. You know, mm-hmm. quote, be able to. I guess that's kind of you know in, during the Victorian era and stuff. There was a lot of a lot of like messaging around women as you know the keeper of the values and the mother and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like chast kind of view of women. And if, you know, when, after basically during world war two, when we needed a lot of women to work, they started, you know, there's a lot of shifting then about like, okay, we need to get women in the work in the workforce. And then of course, w- you know, when the war was over, a lot of those jobs were displaced and kind of back for men. And we went into this really big economic boom and I mean, kind of always, but, you know, during those times, like into the 50s and 60s, there were, um, you know, a lot of the messages are being shaped by basically men in power, right? So it's, you know, political, mm-hmm. uh, you know, politicians, uh, businessmen, people who were script writers or, you know, were sending, you know, uh, even like journalist types, right? Um, I don't know if they called them journalists at that time, but, you know, so they're able to shape that message. In, and a lot of those men, one, were in, of, you know, had higher economic status and really, you know, Promoted that belief that women, you know, had the most value in the home, mm-hmm. um, But you know, building on the idea that we could like instill values and be a, you know, keeper of the home. And of course, there were a lot of women who were working. So, you know, in a lot of ways, these kind of core values that I think. Have become a little bit of a fantasy, you know, the leave it to beaver kind of thing where mom's at home and keeps the house and dad goes to work and comes home and brings home enough for
0: the family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's coming up as I listen to you is this is also a really white story. Yeah. Right. Like I'm thinking about the marginal, you know, minorities and there's a, a different kind of dynamic. I'm assuming I'm not super versed in the history from like a black perspective, but I'm guessing too this is, you know, this is the white men of power creating this dynamic and, and really the white women feeling this, you know, I get, I have to have to quote, get or slash get to stay at home, you know, because there was also, you know, only so many career options available for women who, who needed to get out of the house. Right. Because of survival.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I'm glad you brought up, you know, about like women of color and, um, you know, back to, you know, the late 1800s, you know, post the Civil War era, a lot of you know, African-American women really wanted the opportunity to stay home with their kids. And even in some cases where they were able to, there were, were a lot of messages where they were basically like shamed into coming back into the workforce Mm. because, uh, you know, they were like, you know, called like lazy and right. All of these things, because like, right. Like you're talking about those structures of power, white men, white women still wanted their services of cleaning their homes, taking care of their children. Um, so it's absolutely a, Part of the story, yeah, it's complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is complex.
0: Yeah. So moving into now, like the eighties, nineties, present day.
1: Yeah, sure. So, so coming out of the sixties, there were like a few kind of key things that were happening. There was like this kind of persistence of this idea that women should stay in the home, even though it wasn't really, really the reality. Um, and a lot of women were working. Um, there was. Um, A lot of economic prosperity that required more women to be in the workplace because we needed workers. Mm -hmm. And then there was also all this economic prosperity that required us to sell goods. Like, so for example, this idea of the housewife Mm -hmm. and in the sixties, you know, TV was emerging. There is like so much more advertising and they started, you know, one little example is like started selling home cleaners Mm -hmm. as diversified. So now you have like a cleaner for your bathroom and a cleaner for your window and a cleaner for your kitchen. And they're all different. And it made you feel like you're the expert in your home and your husband couldn't quite figure all that out so you you know you're the one who really understands that about how that stuff works
0: Uh, so isn't that a backhanded little like oh good job you you understand all the different types of cleaners like I know you're the master I know it's like (laughs) those little things I learn,
1: and I'm like oh man that's so insidious and so I think there are so many of those little kinds of insidious messages yeah and of course you know during the 60s there's all this like the civil rights movement the women's liberation um the feminine mystique was released. And mm-hmm. so soup, this term "supermom." I'm getting to the point here, this term supermom really um, emerged in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think 1974 is the first time that they really saw it in the vernacular. And it's also, I think, you know, interestingly, the first time that parenting started showing up as a verb mm. and the, you know, and prior to that, it was really like you were a parent, but parenting wasn't like an activity really. And there were some published works on parenting, of course, but Nothing like today, like I was yeah. preparing for this. It's like if you search on Amazon, you'll get, uh, you know, parenting books, you'll get like 60,000 results.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm looking at my own stash right now, and it's it's pretty fast. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's obscene. And And also during this time is when we started shifting from the idea of like housewife to stay-at-home mom. Right. So it, it everything just became so much more focused um, for the mom on your relationship to your children mm-hmm. as, as the value that you provide, right? Mm-hmm. And so and, – and you have all these educated women who um, – You know through your schooling you can like study something and become a master of it and and this has like been so true for me is like you really can't do that with parenting Mm -hmm. you can learn and practice and try different things but there's not this same sense of like mastery and so i think that's one of the things that really gives you know it feeds the desire to be selling more product because it's like i need to read this book or that Mm -hmm. book or this to try to figure out how i can be better at this and in reality you know sometimes more information is not better
0: Hey everyone, Casey here, just interrupting this interview to remind you that you have this great opportunity for giving back to the Joyful Courage podcast and receiving in return. I mentioned it in the introduction of the podcast. I mentioned it as I leave at the end, but Patreon, Patreon is where you can go and you can show your support for the value that you receive from this podcast. I get emails, I get messages all the time talking about the way that you all are consuming and loving and putting into practice all that you hear on this show. Patreon is a place where you get to contribute and give back. So at the $10 level, you get to be included on some monthly webinars, and other perks, but you can also just give a dollar a month. You can give $5 a month, whatever works for you and your budget. Something really special happens when we know that we are giving back to the service, the product, the companies, the podcast that is giving us so much. So I encourage you to head on over to patreon.com slash joyful courage. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash joyful courage and decide how much the podcast is worth to you. Thanks. I talk a little bit every time I I lead any workshop, um, especially live stuff. You know, the first thing I say is, hey, I've got a lot of knowledge around positive discipline, which is the program that I facilitate. And it is messy in the practice in my own home, right? Because I was, it's so funny. I was just writing about this because we can know all sorts of things in our head, but we aren't dealing with robots. This is like human relationship. There's so many variables. There's, you know, so many curveballs. There's, you know, the way that we are being experienced by the other person is gonna dictate how they respond. And it doesn't matter if we're quote saying the right thing or the idea that, well, if I just read more or listen to more and it's like, you have to practice. You have to like choose not to freak out and try something different. (laughs) Right. And
1: that's really the work, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And you can't like read a book and figure that out. But that is one thing I love about you, Casey, is that I feel like you're so authentic in terms of talking about what, like what it really looks like, because I think that actually is one of the things that is so challenging for parents is Mm -hmm. you read this stuff and the examples that they give are always kind of vague and (laughs) There's, there's not a lot of follow-up discussion about, like, this is messy in practice, you mm-hmm. know, and I personally do ascribe to more of a positive parenting um you know, philosophy, I would say, but I fail at it like I don't know, 50% of the <laughs> yeah, time, I,
3: you
1: know, I mean, I shouldn't <laughs> say fail, I, you know, but, um, you know, it's like hard. it goes sideways or I'm still totally yell at my kids, you know, yeah. I wish I didn't, but I do. And, um, it's hard mm-hmm. and there's no silver bullet, but I think, you know, that idea that you can is something that has really, you know, led to the rise of a super mom epidemic,
0: yeah. So what do you this is might be kind of a side note cuz you know talking about the quote metaphorical billboards I'm thinking social media which you know there I would I, don't, I mean I don't know the numbers about how many people aren't on social media but you know I would say parents are on social media and I I love the messages around you know be the parent your child needs and the really sweet gentle parenting child centered messages. I so appreciate them. They tug at my heartstrings. And some of the time I read them and I feel a tremendous amount of guilt. Oh, I'm so with you on that. Thanks for saying that. It's It's like, well, this is lovely. And what about when I just want to toss them out the door? Like, (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's like that idea of, um, you know, enjoying your kids every moment. Right. Yeah, and, it, and, and, you know, the treasuring them and we, you know, we do our best, I think. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I don't, and I also know that there's a totally other end of the spectrum where it's just like, you know, the parents who are like, my kids are assholes. Like I have to scream or, you know, they don't listen or, you know, and it's more like heavy handed on that end where it's, you know, just the opposite extreme, Which I'm also like, oh, good. I'm not there, but I'm not always in this like super child-centered, you know, I mean, I am the star of my own movie. Like that's just a fact, right? And so (laughs) while my teenager loves to request that I not make things about me all the time, it's really challenging, right? It's really challenging to step out and to expand into the experience of our kids. And I think I do a pretty decent job at that, not perfect. But yeah, I feel like there's these two ends of the spectrum and the messy middle, you know, we don't necessarily value. There's not a lot of value in that messy middle or there is value, but it's not something that's broadcasted.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. Like, so talking specifically about the kind of different types of parenting stuff I see on social media Mm -hmm. and, you know, on Instagram, I follow a lot of the different parenting accounts because I'm curious and, you know, some, you know, it's like sometimes those ones that you're talking about that are kind of like, oh, my kids are awful and, you know, um, I sometimes they're funny, you know, and sometimes they resonate. And then, you know, sometimes the gentle ones, like you say, make me feel guilty. And so it's like, and then sometimes there are the people who kind of like act like they're really keeping it real, but
0: I'm like, but you're not really keeping it real. Yeah, what's really going on outside of that frame, sister?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so I think we just as long as we like bring the awareness to it for ourselves, yeah. you know, but it, and that's why I have times where I'm like on social media more, and then sometimes I shut it down. Like we shut down our account or we just weren't active on there at all over the summer. And it was amazing, you know, because sometimes yeah. it's just too much input. Um, and it's really hard to not get into like comparisonitis, you know, like, yeah, oh God. Well, that person looks like they have their act together, and they must be so wonderful with their kids all the time, or right.
0: Whatever. Well, and, I, and and something that you said at the beginning when I asked you about who is super mom, uh, what, what did you say? You said, you know, when we go to sleep, when we are unconscious, and I think that that um, just to make the distinction for the listeners, it's really that you know, for me, being asleep and on social media is just the continu like knowing that I've got stuff to do, but that's kind of you know, ten feet away from me. And instead, I'm just completely consumed with scrolling the feed. No one
3: told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clux.
2: You've come to the right place.
0: And not like bug eyed and intense, but just like I'm there and I'm just going to let 15 minutes go by, let 20 minutes go by. You know, my phone tells me your screen time has now maxed out. And I'm like, "Mm, ignore, you know? know, and that to me, I think that's another place where we can bring more consciousness in because when that comparisonitis shows up or when the judgment shows up, I mean, even though we've got these two ends of the spectrum, you know, we're going to come, we're going to have our emotion around it, right? Like, oh gosh, that's, you know, that's true about kids and they just want to be seen and heard. And, and, ah, gosh, I really screwed up this morning and now I'm feeling guilty. Well, screw this person. Like, Being conscious and awake is really recognizing that we're in that spin and deciding, do I want, is this useful to me right now? Is this, is this serving me right now? My comparisonitis comes when I see other parent educators who have bigger followings or more comments, or, I mean, I'm like a frigging teenager on Instagram, you know, like, why does, why do I have more followers? And when am I going to get that special blue badge that says I have over 10, you know, like it's so.
1: And it's, it goes back to, again, to that feeling. And, you know, um, Jillian and I did a little bit of a kind of survey co- uh, a while back now and got so much, so many beautiful comments from women. And it was like, when we started mapping it all out, we're such like organization development people, you know, we mm-hmm. like put them on sticky notes and mapped it all out in themes. And, and it was like, it kind of broke our hearts. Cause, and this is true for me too, but it's like, it, I really think it goes back to that feeling of like, am I lovable? Yeah. Um, and that's what social media really triggers in us is that feeling of like, am I lovable in relation to this person? Like this person has a bigger following than me, you know, or that person seems to be better with their kids than me. And am I good enough?
0: Can I just tell a quick side story? Yes. Please. So a, I have a teenager and I, and I have a handful of her friends that follow me on Instagram. And they always, they always like, if they see my post, they like it or they heart it or whatever. And I say to Rowan, I'm like, oh, look, this person, Leo, Leo liked my post. And I I wonder what he thought about what I said. And she looked at me and she goes, mom, nobody reads what you write. (laughs) 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 It's just, they see you, they like you. Like they see you, they like it. It's, and I'm like, oh, I'm thinking I'm giving these teenagers this profound opportunity to think outside the box and no. Anyway, I thought that was funny. But um. So funny. You know, I think the
1: other thing about, you know, different parenting, you know, and like positive pairing, for example, going back to this idea of like, are we doing it right? Or right. like, where are these messages come from? But it's hard because it's in a new context of like, we haven't ever really done this before. We don't we don't understand we're trying to break our own power dynamics that have existed within families for ever, probably. Um, in our culture and, you know, in like Western culture, um, Mm -hmm. this sort of like top down, you know, because that power differential does still exist in my family. And so I, I struggle to figure out how to, um, show up in these really gentle ways. Like you're saying in these memes while still getting my kids to like do the stuff they need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's uncharted territory.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you're, so you're, so back to your mission, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're 30 minutes in. So your mission is to help women unlearn Supermom. Where do you start? Like, what are the stepping stones to that? That's um, a huge question, I know.
1: I, I know, it so is. And you know, I think- <laughs> Help I think us, you would,
0: Rachel.
1: You wouldn't even said this. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I have like some silver bullet. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I think for me, you know, it, it's hard to name one thing, but as we've kind of talked through all of this, um, I think it's about getting back sort of like what, what we've called in, in our work is, is like the seed of knowing mm-hmm. and that, you know, I'm like putting my hand on my heart right now or on my chest. It's like getting back in touch with you, basically like mm-hmm. your own instincts, your own intuition, your own like sense of yourself, um, you're the expression that you need to have in your life. Um, so there's kind of a few core things that w- we believe is really part of this. Um, mm-hmm. and this, you know, the main piece of that is being able to get in touch with yourself. And I think there's a number of things that you have to do to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say have to do, but get it, it just depends. Yeah. it Get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and where you kind of would enter into this is really where you're at, you know, um, some people, we, we all have our different strengths and work that we need to do. So, uh, you know, one of the things is just like really knowing what your fundamentals are in your mm-hmm. life. Like what are the things that help you stay connected to yourself? Um, and at different times that might be different for you. Like I would like, I always put on my list, like exercise and fitness, but I haven't really had a regular exercise and fitness program for like three years. Mm-hmm. So realistically it's like probably not that for me right now. Um, <laughs>
0: Well, and there's 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 self-care and then there's soul care.
1: Right. Exactly. So it's like, you know, for me, I I do need to have enough sleep. That's, Mm -hmm. a you know, I need to be able to eat decent food. I need to, um, you know, for me, quiet time every day. So like a meditation practice, Mm -hmm. Um, even, you know, if it's just 10 minutes and some days it doesn't happen and I can sit on the edge of my bed for five minutes and or not for five minutes for like five deep breaths. Mm hmm. And that can be it for the day. Um, we actually have a, like a free, like 16 second meditation for, you know, if you don't think mm. you can do it, you can do 16 seconds. Yeah. So just knowing what your fundamentals are, um, the things that help you stay connected to yourself, mm-hmm. I think is the, the best place to start. Um, I think practically speaking, just because there is a tremendous amount of stuff to do when you're a parent and so you know just being able to like run run your business you know like how do Mm -hmm. you do that and i think this is for me mostly about perspective um i'm someone who can like get really bummed out and resentful about all these things that have to get done the house cleaning the grocery Mm -hmm. shopping the you know and my husband is an amazing partner he does a lot of this with me too but i still feel like the keeper of it a Mm lot um and so I have to work a lot on staying out of martyrdom and victimhood mm-hmm. around this topic. I you and this me is both. The thing I like the least about being a parent, hands down, you know, mm-hmm. but it is, you know, getting so you don't have to make decisions all the time. So what are the systems, your regular routines, you know, getting better at using your time and being on top of your personal finances, even, you know, some of that stuff. So you, so you don't have all this lingering stuff in the back of your mind. Um, yeah. And it's about like learning how to say no to stuff that isn't part of your priority list.
0: Yeah, love it. Yeah. Well, and what I really I want to kind of pull something out of what you just said at the very beginning which is you know connecting the uh, one of those foundational places, right? Fundamental places connect having time where you connect with yourself. And I think that probably a lot of the listeners, a lot of you all know what that means and I'm guessing that some of you are listening and you're thinking connect I don't even know what that means. And so just to kind of break it down a little bit, it's, you know, being able to tease apart what is kind of like automatic storytelling versus what's your truth. You know, I think that as our kids get older and, you know, all of you that have been listening through, especially the last year, as I've navigated my teenager, you, you know, you're hearing me in real time tease apart, like what is fear, right? What's, what is fear? What is future tripping versus what is I, what do I know to be true? Um, and so if it feels really big, if, or, or, or I'm thinking also about some of the listeners that may have some childhood trauma where, you know, going inside and going deep triggers a lot of emotional pain and i just want to invite all of you to like like rachel said just start where you're at even if it's simply five gratitudes at the at, before you go to bed or like like you said a 16 second meditation just to to dip your toe in and to give yourself the opportunity to try on a little stillness and to trust yourself because i think one of the biggest damages of the supermom model is that we lose our ability to trust ourselves. We lose our ability to trust that that we are enough. We're doing enough. We're making a big enough impact. So I'm just thinking about the listeners right now, Rachel, because I know that for me, I kind of get, I get, it's easy for me to use the lingo and And be like, you know, just stillness. Go inside, look for your intention. You know, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. get a little zen. And I lose people because not I forget that not every you know we're all at different places on our journey. So I just want to shoot out some encouragement to those of you. Maybe this is the first time you've actually listened to this podcast, and you're like, yes, yes, and this feels really big and really hard, and I don't know if I can do it. Because you can.
1: It's so important what you're saying just to remember that it can just be the tiniest thing. And it's like, you know, the awareness builds on itself. So it's like, you have this awareness, like, I I would always get really anxious every time we would go on a family
0: vacation. Oh man, Um, are you a nightmare uh, in the airport? I am.
1: (laughs) uh, I'm I'm not now, but You've all um, accepted it. (laughs) It was always like getting out of the house. You know, I just always felt like it was like crazy and then I was like doing all the packing for everyone Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. you know, then my husband hadn't gotten his stuff done, so then I ended up like doing stuff for him and we'd be late to the airport, you know, and so I had this awareness, like, okay, I'm like feeling really anxious when, when I would go on trips. Mm -hmm. And so then I had to like, try some stuff like, okay. So then the next trip I like noticed that I was getting anxious, like during the anxiety spell and I couldn't do anything different, but I knew it was happening, Mm -hmm. you know? And then the next trip I could notice it before. And Mm -hmm. then I could try to do something differently, you know, of like working with my husband. And then, I mean, ultimately this ended in me kind of being able to like kind of let go of the steering wheel a little bit and we missed our flight. And it was a, it was one of those like tough learning moments. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So instead of controlling and trying to like really push and get myself all wound up to get out the door, I just said, okay, well, I'm not going to overfunction. And so this is the consequence that happened to our family and it's Mm -hmm. never happened again. You know? So I think it's every time, you know, it's like noticing or knowing that you're not going to learn from an awareness right away. It's going to take, you know, a year or two, even maybe for something like that, where you get to experience it, then try something. And then, you know, you're going to notice it happening. And maybe you even have that adolescent side of you where I'm like, I, I'm noticing that I feel angry and I'm still going to do this thing right. anyway. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. and then you're like, okay, well, I kind of wish I did something different later, yeah. you know? So it, just to say, you know, it's, it's not as simple, I guess, as right.
0: yeah, <laughs> in it's, the moment. It's messy. And there's no, I think it's important too, that there's no, final destination, I mean, I think even the Dalai Lama gets caught up in his stuff now and again, you know, like I mean there it, 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 we are we all remain human inside of all of this, so trusting that as well, and oh my gosh, Rachel, I could seriously talk to you for like three more hours. Hi. Oh, I'm so really, great. I'm so another really thing too. <laughs> I just want to come back. Another
1: thing too just yeah, yeah. about the awareness is um one of the things that sometimes can work for people too and this is one of my favorite ways to check in is just checking in with your body.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yes, thank you.
1: Yeah, I'm someone who really likes to like touch a part of my body that felt, you know, it's usually like my chest or my throat mm-hmm. or my um like solar plex. you know? I mean, mm-hmm. and if you're a believer in chakras, you can mm-hmm. read into why I might need to touch those areas, but you know, just check in and that's, you, you don't even have to do anything with it. You j- don't make meaning from it. You can just say, um, I'm noticing that my heart is really beating fast or I'm noticing that I'm holding my shoulders really tightly. Yeah, That can be enough.
0: Yeah. I, something that helps me a little, little trick. Well, it's not a trick. It's an awareness, but Softening the muscles on my face. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's good for wrinkles. <laughs> Double whammy. <laughs> Double <laughs> bonus. Yeah. So yes. I and maybe maybe you can come back and we can talk more about the body stuff because that absolutely hundred percent is a piece of the mindfulness journey, definitely for me. And I know for a lot of the people that I work with. So, in the context of unlearning super mom, Rachel, what does joyful courage mean to you?
1: I think. One of the phrases that is most triggered, I already even brought it up in this conversation. The triggering for me as a parent is like, oh, just like enjoy every moment. It goes by so fast. That statement brings so much anxiety. Yeah, I want to
0: kill people that say that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I really understand the intention of it. Um, I do. um, But for me, and I feel like I'm, work, you know, I'm someone who's like, a, maybe even obsessively working towards like, enjoy, you know, trying to be with my kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, so I find it really, and I'm sort of a nostalgic person anyway. So anyway, I, I get a lot of anxiety from that statement. And so I sort of reject that idea that, that the major measure of success in parenting is enjoying it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for, you know, the most impactful things, you know, profound things that I've learned as a parent has really come from like the more painful moments Mm -hmm. as a parent, like Mm -hmm. some of the suffering that's come, you know, um, and what I've been able to learn from that, um, and being able to sort of meet it, you know, meet and face all of the really messy stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that really is courage, right? Like coming up to that really scary uh, whether it's personal work or complex relationships or whatever, and showing up for them. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, joyful courage to me in that context is really about looking for the meaning mm-hmm. and just showing up in your life and, and allowing okay. that to not, you know, to that what's there to not be good or bad, you know, and, and,
0: and not treating happiness like it's the pinnacle of life experience. Yeah, I love that. When I think about personal growth and development, I get so high off personal growth and development. I just love it. Even when it's a slog, even when it's like, you know, I'm facing something that is like, damn, what took me so long? You know, overarching all of it is that I find so much joy in the fact that I am a personal growth and development junkie. Like that's really where the joyful part for me of joyful courage shows up, not necessarily in the nitty gritty, like, oh, this is really hard, but I better enjoy it. But more of like, thank God I have this awareness thing. I'm so grateful to be on the path of continuously trying to evolve um, and just peel back the layers of BS that show up because we're humans.
1: A hundred percent. And yeah, I think that's something, you know, I want to acknowledge about you is just that you, I think really, you do keep it real and it's not this like, you know, fantasy. Oh, joyful.
0: You know, everything about parenting is (laughs) joyful. Um, (laughs) We're in the meadow together, wearing like flowy dresses, holding hands. No. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, oh. your message like so resonates for me in that way. Yay. Good.
0: Well, how can listeners find you and follow your work?
1: Um, so listeners can find us at um, and um, also on Instagram. Um, You can always reach out if you ever want to chat with us. But those are kind of the two places that we show up. We, like I said, we kind of it's a passion passion project, so we kind of are sporadic sometimes Mm -hmm. with our you know blog posts and that kind of stuff. But there's actually some really good stuff on there, mostly written by Jillian, who's an incredible writer. Um, I've learned a lot about parenting just from reading her posts, so I would encourage people to check some out. Oh, and also, I guess I could mention that we are doing our first ever retreat in Hawaii. (gasps) What? Um, Yeah, it's, um, in February the 19th through the 25th. Um, I teamed up also with, um, a really close friend who is a fitness, um, instructor, she's a trainer. And so we're gonna, it's basically kind of like a bliss out, you know, time to just be, to take care of our bodies. We're going to do healthy, like home cooked foods and exercise every day and have lots of time for reflection and, um, relaxation too. So
0: that sounds amazing. Great. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on.
1: Thank you for having me. Can't wait to connect again.
0: Joyful Courage community, thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. Big thanks and love to my team, including my producer, Chris Mann at Podshaper. Be sure to join the discussion over at the Live and Love with Joyful Courage group page, as well as the Joyful Courage business pages on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, really anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Also, I mentioned Patreon at the beginning of the show. Check it out, www.patreon.com slash joyfulcourage. This is where you can contribute to the show and take advantage of patron perks like content-rich monthly webinars and deeper discussions about what's being shared on the podcast. You will like it, www.patreon.com. Dot com slash joyful courage. Any comments or feedback about this show or any others can be sent to Casey at joyful courage dot com. I personally read and respond to all the emails that come my way. So reach out. You can also sign up for my biweekly newsletter at joyful courage dot com. Just go to the website, sign up for that. Take a breath, drop into your body, find the balcony seat and trust that everyone is going to be okay. Big love to each and every one of you. Have a beautiful rest of your day.
3: Well, hey there, busy mama.